Welcome to Sydney Property Insider, giving you news and insights on the Sydney property market. Your hosts are Michelle May, a professional buyer's agent and owner of her independent buyer's agency, and Marcus Roberts, a member of Property Investment Professionals of Australia and owner of leading mortgage broker firm, Brighter Finance. Hi and welcome back to Sydney Property Insider, the weekly podcast all about Sydney property, whether it be buying, selling, investing and everything and anything that has anything to do with it. So hi Marcus, how are you today? Yeah, really well Michelle, how are you? Yeah, good. So we've got a special guest here with us, uh, Alola, who works for Nightingale Housing, uh, which is revolutionising the building industry. Now, following on from our last podcast which was all about housing affordability we thought we'd do a bit more research and came across this wonderful um, project which is called the nightingale um, model and we very lucky to have lola here who can explain a bit more about how this works and how it's going to help the people of australia to be able to have a foot on the property ladder without having to sell a kidney perhaps or more (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Lola. How are you today? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Nightingale Housing, let's start with that. It's, it's like I said before, is revolutionising the property building in Australia by constructing multi-residential buildings that are financially, socially and environmentally sustainable. You call this the Nightingale model. Can you explain to us the processes and systems that are in place for this? Yeah, sure. So, I guess the Nightingale housing model is a, is a triple bottom line at cost housing model. Um, we essentially work as a as a housing provider, helping to facilitate and deliver housing, which uh, to date has been apartment buildings um, at cost. So whatever it costs us to build and develop and produce is is what it is sold back to residents as. So essentially, it's quite different to a standard development that it's community and resident led. Um, we really only sell and, and interact with owner-occupiers, um, which is quite different to a standard development model. And we work really hard to meet, um, I guess, our four sort of golden pillars in any project, which is, yeah, as you touched on, financial sustainability, um, environmental sustainability, social sustainability, and also um, a huge part of our projects is community engagement. So, you know, we're different to a standard development in terms of there is no developer. Um, we work to license out uh, leading Australian architects. So they go through a Nightingale Housing licensing application, um, which is essentially where they are you know, presented to our licensing committee um, at, a, at a review. And they're asked to really, I guess, put, put their best selves forward as to um, you know, why they should be a Nightingale architect, um, their previous experience, um, their demonstrated knowledge in, in what we do, and I guess really confirming how they can help deliver housing at cost for future residents. And then we work with those architects as well as the future residents to help deliver you know, their, their home a few years later. So in terms of the actual project and timing on any projects is quite similar to purchasing off the plan. But in terms of what you're purchasing and the the community that you're, um, I guess, buying into and committing to, it's a, it's a very different prospect to to what we're seeing on the market at the moment. So we work really hard to meet all those four pillars, and in turn, um, what we've found to date is that it it is delivering housing below market, but it's also delivering a bunch of other things that um, we had anticipated, but we're now seeing. Um, the proof in the pudding that they're 
that they are as wonderful as what we had hoped. Thank you, Lolly. That um, is really, so it's all encompassing, isn't it? It's, it's not just about the, a cost-saving exercise for the buyers, but it's much more of a, a holistic philosophy. Now, the financial structure that is used by Nightingale Housing in some projects uh, is based on the German Baugruppen model, which is, again, unlike any other commercial property development currently in Australia. Could you explain to the listeners out there how does it work and, and what would be the potential benefits for, for the buyers out there? Yeah, sure. So I guess we run two different models at the moment. We run our standard Nightingale model um, and we're also just about to embark on um, at least two, if all goes well, Baugruppen projects on our upcoming site, Nightingale Village here in Brunswick in Melbourne. Um, so we're delivering seven different buildings by seven architects and therefore seven communities and we're hoping to run two of those um, buildings and projects as Baugruppen um, projects. So it's not a new um, a new system. It's it's been done in in Germany and and Europe for quite a few decades. They actually, you know, when you meet Germans, they yawn that we're that we're doing it here now in 2018 because they've been doing it for so long. But essentially, Baugruppen um, to most people could almost be explained as a as a co housing project. So it's where a group and a community. Uh, either self-formed or, or brought together um, to actually purchase the site and become um, and, and put their names on title when the site's purchased. And with this comes a whole lot of financial benefits in terms of tax and GST, which can be structured quite differently um, to a standard development. So, and then from there, we you know um, would run the project as a normal Nightingale project, so adhering to everything else that we. Um, mandating all our projects in terms of affordability and sustainability and transparency in um, the process of the project. Um, but where Baugruppen differs is that initial um, financial commitment from the group and therefore the mechanism which allows them to have quite a big saving um, on the end price of their of their home. And that's certainly very interesting. So for the listeners out there, are the Nightingale apartments um, for sale only or are there also options to rent as well? So, and if if there are, is the rent below market value? So, for example, if you own an apartment, yes. will you be able to rent it out? And, and how would that stop investors from then buying in? Yes. Yeah, so, at the moment, to date, all our live projects are uh, owner-occupier um, focused and they're only available for purchase. Um, we are trying to get a few projects um, up off the ground that will be on a on a rental scheme and and therefore we'd also want to um, you know our apartments are selling below market cost um, and we would of course want um, our rental apartments selling below cost um, we haven't got this live and up and running so I can't really comment on on how we'd eliminate uh, investors but that's certainly something that we that we would want to um, flesh out before we yeah committed to a to a rental scheme. Uh, true that uh, it's only recently that the New South Wales government announced that um, they're actually gifting land in Redfern for a, a build to rent program, which is you know the first in Australia where um, they're looking to lease it for 40 years and at the end of the term the asset is then retained by the government and the plan is for four to five hundred dwellings to be built um, with 70% earmarked for renters at market prices and 30% will be for social and affordable housing. So 
it looks like the government in New South Wales is also thinking, you know, to, to the future, which is really great to hear. So the fact that you you guys are also thinking about tenants for the future is is going to give a lot more people the options to to, to rent at a, re, at a decent rate as well, mm. right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a huge part of obviously what we do. We've identified that, um, I guess, particularly millennials, but a whole bunch of other um, people in society, whether they're, you know, older single women who want to age in place or um, younger people that just don't really have the chance to enter the property market. Um, you know, we, we have set out to deliver housing for them and therefore um, if we're looking at a rental scheme, we, we'd need to make sure that we adhere to that too. Um, we've also um, made a commitment to housing um, to partnering up with a community housing provider. So all of our um, projects will have an allocation of, of 20% in each building to the community housing provider, as well as we also have a pre-allocation to key service workers um, and, and our project team. So, um, you know, these are obviously all groups of people um, that that tend to not be able to afford um, to purchase housing in our current um, housing climate. And, yeah, those along with a bunch of others are the people that we're really trying to target to put a roof over their head and also give them um, stability and, you know, long-term prospect and, yeah. So, Lola, just on um, some of the buildings that are, I, I guess, currently being looked at, so some of them, correct me if I'm wrong, but they, they have commercial spaces on, on the ground floor. Um, who ultimately, you know, keeps the ownership of those premises and, and do you have so preferred retailers and businesses? Yeah, sure. So to date, um, we're sort of approaching each building um, on a, you know, case-by-case -case basis. Um, I guess I can speak particularly to Nightingale 1, which is where our office is based in, um, so the first completed Nightingale building in Brunswick. That really came down to both the project team but also the residents and how they wanted uh, to use those spaces. So, you know, they had the option to retain them um, and lease them out and gain a bit of revenue back into the owner's corporation. Um, they had the option just to outright sell them. Um, they had the option for residents to purchase them. And I guess what ended up happening was that uh, one resident decided to purchase one of the commercial tenancies. Um, he runs an architectural practice, which is wonderful to have um, creative in the building, but also provide a bit of um, street frontage and activation and then also obviously that he can live above um, is wonderful and then the other tenancy um, was also signed up with tenants so we've got us as Nightingale Housing um, and our office here on the ground floor and then we've got a really small 10 square metre um, cafe which they are a non-for-profit social enterprise um, that actually helps train and employ homeless youth which is obviously wonderfully um, aligned with with the work we're doing and, you know, a huge boost to the street being that they serve out to the street. Um, mm. So us and, and Home One, the cafe was signed up on leases and then these two tenancies were actually sold to an impact investor. So uh, tenants were locked in and, and helped selected by us, but obviously one of them being ourselves. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, they were, they were put on a, on a long-term lease, um, which then injected a bit of revenue back into the, into the OC. So I have to say it, it tends to be up to the residents, um, but we certainly work with each project to make sure that tenants are going in are like-minded and, and values aligned. There's also a bit of careful planning in terms of thinking what's in the surrounding context, 
who's going in and does that suit what the community needs. Um, you know, if there's 10 cafes, the last thing we want to do is put in another cafe that potentially takes away business from an existing um, business that's already on the street. And there's also some other little things that we have to keep in mind that all of our buildings are fossil fuel free. So there is no gas pumped into each of them. And that obviously um, is wonderful and, and meets our sustainability criteria, but also means that some tenants um, either need some education on how they run their business gas free or it just might not be suitable for them. So um, in both avenues, we, we like to be quite heavily involved in, in selecting tenants um, and we have to date been involved. Yeah, no, that's, that's fascinating. It sort of leads into the, the next question I have, which was, you know, tell us a, a bit more about that buyer's process and, and is, you know, the ballot preference going to, to key workers or the covenant restrictions. Um, you know, how does, how does the process work for buyers? Yeah, sure. So we really only build our buildings for owner-occupiers. Um, I guess, you know, Nightingale Housing was really set up to respond to our growing cities, but also the increasing house prices that our capital cities, so particularly Melbourne and Sydney, are experiencing. And as I was saying before, really those that can't afford to get their foot in the door, not investors that, that can. So we run quite an extensive series of information sessions as soon as a project becomes live. You know, we can't ban um, investors from attending or even, I guess, in the long run purchasing, but we're quite open, transparent, upfront about why we're building these projects and why it's just not suitable for investors to take part. Um, so there's a lot of meetings in the lead up yet yeah, to any project going into um, a ballot. Um, and these start as quite a, a, a general information session about the site and, and the architect that's leading the project. And then as time goes on, um, they become more detailed with the final one being quite um, a, a detailed session on, you know, the pros and cons of each apartment, the, the set pricing of each um, of each apartment, OC fees, um, shared spaces, etc. Um, from that point, potential purchasers who have stayed with us throughout that journey um, are then asked to preference the apartments that they wish to ballot. So it's essentially it's an it's an old school sheet of each apartment that's available, the exact price that they're being sold for, and then you number them one through to you know ten or twenty, however many you wish to ballot for. Um, that suit you. Um, in saying that, before that ballot sheet is given out, we've also got um, a few pre-allocations. So we've obviously got the 20% that is um, pre-allocated to our community housing provider. And then in addition to this, um, we pre-allocate up to 20% of the apartments to key service workers. So people that are wishing to take part in the ballot can identify and obviously um, supply proof that they're a key service worker. Um, and that's really about making sure that we maintain key service workers in close proximity to their places of work, but also the CBD. And then we also have an up to 10% pre-allocation for the design team that's working on the project. Um, and to us, that's really important about uh, getting the architects living in their building um, and experiencing it and then being able to share that on to other architects, um, future Nightingale residents and architects, um, but also about showing that you know, these homes are of such quality that the very own project team that's working on it wants to live in there. Um, it also means we have a bit of access to tours and testing that's, of each apartment. That's fantastic um, yeah. um, for the for the people yeah. that are in, in the design process to also end up living there. It's not like they, 
you know, they do the project and then move on to, to another one and never have any um, input on the existing project again. Exactly. And that's what we tend to see in typical developments um, is where, you know, developers come in and, and develop a particular site. But as soon as it's sold, they obviously pack up and leave and start on the next one um, and don't really have any, I guess, inherent investment into that particular site, which I guess, you know, can serve a, a purpose, but it's, it's not what we set out to do. Um, so for us, that's really important. Um, the remaining apartments are then balloted completely randomly um, and all at once. So, you know, we have a 100% ballot success rate and, and that's done in one session. So, so the remaining people have preference their sheets and then they're literally drawn out of, it tends to be a, you know, construction hard hat um, by us at Nightingale Housing and, yeah, we allocate each apartment that's remaining um, and then also take a short list uh, for those that missed out in case anything changes in in the future. So, yeah, it's quite a process, but all in all, it's the same time frame as what someone could typically expect uh, when they purchase an apartment off the plan. So, it's approximately three years from, you know, the date of inception to delivery, um, all in all and thereabouts. That's fantastic, Lola. It's a fully um, immersive experience, isn't it? So I wanted to ask you, so currently um, your focus has been on apartments, um, but are you planning on building any townhouses or duplexes in the future? For us, it's really about making sure we're sort of responding to the site and the community the best we can and also keeping in mind that, you know, we've really set out to deliver housing at cost. So, yes, to date we've been focusing on apartments, sort of mid-rise apartments um, where the site can tolerate it. And it's really about um, making sure that we, I guess, achieve a certain economy of scale. So we aim for buildings of between 20 apartments and 40 and certainly no more than 40 because after that we find that you lose sense of your neighbours and struggle to remember everyone that's in the building. So where we have a site that's bigger, we divide it into multiple buildings and multiple communities. I guess by building apartments, you know, we can obviously achieve bulk rates and mass materials. and with our growing wait list, we're also able to house more people in one project rather than a bunch of smaller projects that don't really deliver on affordability and housing. In saying that, where a site isn't able to tolerate um, apartment buildings, we'll certainly look at more townhouse typologies. Um, we are currently looking at in another city where their market isn't so open to multi-residential buildings um, and their planning isn't isn't so supportive of this. So it's not off the cards, but in terms of yeah, delivering on affordability and housing as many as we can, it's more appropriate for us at the moment to deliver um, apartment buildings. Yeah, that, that makes absolute sense. Now, obviously, my last question to you today, and thank you so much for your time and explaining what the 90-year model is all about. My, my million-dollar question is... <laughs> coming to Sydney in the future, hopefully in the near future? Well, all I can say is uh, watch this space. Um, we haven't been able to crack the Sydney market yet. I guess one of our key pillars being obviously financial sustainability means that the current land prices in Sydney and New South Wales in general have, have pushed us out. Um, we're finding that land costs almost double what it costs here in Melbourne um, and even here we're not, you know, meeting our ideal target so that really um, pushes us out of Sydney 
and yeah, it means we can't can't really deliver on our financial pillar. Um, so, in saying that, we are looking at a few different mechanisms, a few different models. We are speaking to particular groups of people that have land, um, and we're really hoping in the next few months that we've got more news about this. But until then, we sort of have to hold our lips tight and um, and keep keep persevering. Okay, well, well, certainly on on that, just to, to round off, I guess, the, the podcast, um, if people do want to watch this space and if people want to learn more about, about you know, the, the business and the Nightingale Project, what is the best way for them to do so? Best way to um, find out more information and also stay informed is to jump on our website, which is nightingalehousing.org. Um, this will give you more information about what we do um, and also you can sign up to our newsletter, which is really the best initial point of contact. It keeps you informed about all new projects that are live and also future projects as well as information sessions. If you are interested in becoming a resident, you can also sign up to our purchase wait list and it's here that um, we ask you to identify um, where you wish to live so that we can let you know if if we do acquire a site in that area or are looking to acquire a site in that area. The website also has a bunch of frequently asked questions that are answered, um, which are quite helpful in, I guess, understanding this model that can be different to what people are used to seeing in the market. Um, Yeah, and also our Instagram is a nice way of, I guess, keeping in touch with what we're doing um, in a more casual way, updates on current projects and the next speaking events that we're at, et cetera. So, Website Instagram is the best. So what is the Instagram handle for our listeners out there? Oh, so it's just nightingale.housing. Okay. And our website again is, yeah, nightingalehousing.org. Great. Well, well, Ola, thank you so much for your time today. That's been really informative and really interesting. And Michelle and I are certainly looking forward to, um, to, I guess, a few months from now and seeing the first Sydney project in action. We'll keeping our fingers crossed. Yeah, looking... <laughs> it will happen <laughs> good excellent well, sure. well thank you so much for your time for our listeners out there if you have any um questions for lola or the nightingale project um certainly uh, you know go to the website address or, or follow them on instagram if you have any questions for uh, michelle and myself either for this or, or for any future episodes go to ask at sydneypropertyinsider.com.au um, and email those questions through. So that's ask at sydneypropertyinsider.com.au and we will be with you same time, same place next week. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Please note that any views or opinions presented in this podcast are solely those of the speakers and do not necessarily represent those of any business. These views and opinions are general in nature and do not take into account your personal objectives, financial situation and needs. Please consider whether it applies in your circumstance and seek professional advice where appropriate.